Hey, everyone. Happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. All right, there's no good reason we shouldn't start this. So. We, okay. we, say, we say that every time. <laughs> I know. It's kind of, it's like our signature and Jim's start. like, what? Yeah. What? Started what? recording? What? It's on? Is it, are you started? Yeah, it's on. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's it's me, Sam, and... Jim. And... Sarah. And... This is... Le- oh. Do you want and to do it or do you want me to do it? Yeah, we have a special guest today, Katie Uppis. Hello, yes. Welcome, Katie. Thank you. Yeah, and Katie is a, a longtime friend of Jim's, is that correct? Uh, well, we Or did you guys meet fairly recently? We're sort of friends for a very short period of time. Okay. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> okay. good way to put it, yes. Okay. So we had dinner. The, you were over at my house the other evening for yes. a mutual friend of ours, George, his mm-hmm. birthday. Yes. So, And we kind of started an interesting conversation. And, um, I mean, we can just, why don't you... Tell us exactly sure. yeah, we're what, gonna, what, where you're going right now. Well, we're going to have to learn a little bit about you, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So so you live in Minneapolis? I do. I live in Northeast. And as Jim said, uh, we were celebrating the birthday of a mutual friend, George, who we both have known and loved for many years. So that kind of yes. makes us fast friends, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and um, George is significantly older than we are. He is. I don't know that that has anything to do with anything. Mm, not, it's always well, fun to point out yeah. age. Well, he has a, a variety of friends, yeah. Yeah. He, it, yeah. which is quite nice. And he thinks a lot about death. <laughs> he does think a lot about and he, death. And he loves talking about it as well. Yeah. So, um, As I do. Yes, yeah. as you do. Yeah. And, and so Sarah, we discovered, like, right? This is a common theme around yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, so finally we get to really dig deep. Yeah, this is like, this is I, your I episode. talking about death. Yeah. You know, it's something that most people don't want to deal with right. until it's a medical crisis and then they have a medical death. And yeah. I think that more and more um, people want a different experience and mm-hmm. people are doing it differently. So, yeah, that's where the conversation started when I was last at your house. And yeah, great dinner conversation. Yeah, right, exactly. Everybody <laughs> there seemed to be um, excited about it, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're making, You're building an app that's around legacy and I'm doing this work that is called death jewelry which is um a death doula is like a birth doula or a midwife and the idea is that it's no longer a medical uh event uh much like birth is sort of an existential sacred spiritual event and emotional that Mm -hmm. uh end of life and death could be too and actually used to be in many cultures many years ago um Today, it, it's more and more of a series of medical crises, and then um, people die without a whole lot of planning or um, thoughtful legacy work that right. might mm-hmm. be around letters or video or photography. Um, there are so many different ways to approach this, as, and everybody will, wants a different death experience. Those who are willing to talk about it anyway yep. can really start to articulate um, a very personal, very meaningful, and peaceful, purposeful end-of-life experience as opposed to a big, scary, you know... Um, Wires and tubes and yeah. hooked up in the hospital, yeah, and avoiding it to the last minute. You right, know, right. Uh, all all holds. You know, uh, there's just zero expe- or exception to the the kinds of medical intervention that that yep. uh, 
our healthcare system today is willing to throw at it, and uh, and, and at the same time, um, people aren't able to have the kinds of conversations that they really probably want to be if if, if someone was there to help right. help mm-hmm. them with it. And that's kind of where I come in is yeah. um, trying to help people uh, think about it ahead of time um, and try to uh, give them more of a sense of purpose, uh, being more conscious about end of life. Yep. Not just and just old by extension of, of like what we've done with our Andalin version of this platform, right, is to is to preserve prepare and share and, and preserve your memories for the future. And we didn't talk about it specifically in terms of death necessarily. Well, we've mentioned it before. We have, yeah. But but like if you're, the whole point really is if uh, if you've got a life that you've lived and you want to curate the, the memory of that life, mm-hmm. like that's what the app is all about. So yeah. it fits really well that you guys. Yeah. I love it. You yeah. know, I think about my mom. My dad died a couple years ago. And in the last couple of years, my mom has lost her husband of 65 years, her home that she designed and was uh, um, very attached to, really attached to, yep. uh, her driver's license. Mm-hmm. She's in assisted living with a fraction of her things. We've yep. done probably the best job in that whole place of, of decorating her bright two-bedroom assisted living apartment with her stuff. She was someone who collected a lot of stuff. We all have... I have 11 brothers and sisters. Right. We all have taken a lot of her things into our homes. Mm-hmm. She's no longer able to come and visit us and see the stuff. So well, I'm excited about this yeah, app so I can totally. get my my stuff of my, that I've inherited from my mom and all my siblings to um, document mm-hmm. this so that she can see it. Mm-hmm. Right. And how cool would it be? Um, For her a, to attach stories to those yes, things, too. Yes, yeah. she's got the stories in many cases. I mm-hmm. have a couple favorite pieces that I definitely want her to see in context and want to make sure I've got the story clear on and and document that someplace and it's not obviously just for her it's for all of us to to share too that's one of the things we you know it's one of the emotional entry points into the app is to tell people like think about your house and think of some object that was given to you by a great grandparent or, Mm -hmm. or grandparent that's no longer with you and Think of the story that's attached to it and how much more meaningful it would be if you could just hear your grandma's voice tell mm-hmm. tell yeah. the actual story. Yeah. Because you know the story, but her voice was the one that told it the best. Yeah, right. beautiful. Yeah. Um, it, particularly if, if it can be served up on a device that's meant for old people. My mom yes. is very attached to her Kindle, but she does mm. like three things with it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I can't see her learning a new app, but if it was... Designed just for this so, audience. Don't worry, we got that covered. Okay, I think we, so. we, do, we do have that covered, and actually, in tandem with the the phone, you know, it will be also on the tablet. So yeah. there is sort of a also a reduced sort of mm-hmm. mechanism. Yeah, if it, you it, know, if you can use a Kindle, you can use yeah. the version of it that we've created for right. people who are yep. older. Or it's designed to be co-curating, so someone will be with her and able yep. to assist and kind of guide her. But yep. we did design it for very ease of use. Yeah, for sure. This was a a big thought of ours. In fact, it's something that we kind of firmly believe in in the company is that uh, the young developers out there in the world are not building apps for a generation of people who they kind of view as not even being able to use the device. Mm -hmm. But it turns out a lot of older people are really good. They were later adopters, kind of Mm -hmm. slower adopters. Mm -hmm. 
but they love their devices and they love mm-hmm. the connection that they can have with yeah. their grandchildren and their mm-hmm. kids and yeah so it's yeah. all in there yeah but uh go ahead. well i'm well, gonna just say right. my family heavily medical i've got an older brother who's a doctor my father is a, was a nurse and a neurological clinic administrator for a long time my stepmother is a nurse peds icu uh death and discussions of death have been something that i'm super comfortable with yeah. everybody in my family is real open about that so uh I think what you're doing is really cool. Yeah. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's very much needed and I think that, you know, dying with with dignity and, and peace of mind. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that that's a really important topic. So I'm look I'm I think it's great you're here. Wonderful. I can't wait yeah. to talk about all this yeah, stuff. So and maybe you can talk about that. Like right. how did you how, Yeah, what did you did do you before you did this? this? Yeah. <laughs> well, um I set out in my post-college days to be a therapist. I got a degree and had the hours toward the license in California. And uh, when I came back here, those hours weren't going to transfer. So I kind of got absorbed into the business world, marketing, product development. Um, Spent a lot of time at Optum. Started there before Optum was what it is today. It was a little employee assistance program. I was doing counseling and management consulting on the phone. And now it is a behemoth, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, we have a friend who works for the yeah, behemoth. Yeah, everybody has friends who work there, <laughs> right? So I spent about 10 years there uh, moving from the clinical operation into the business side, marketing, product management, and then ended up at an agency, a healthcare agency, um, where we did you know, a lot of things like uh, patient and clinician-facing, marketing, even app development, that kind of thing. So this is somewhat oh, familiar really? to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's cool, too. So, yeah, I did. I, I was never a marketer, though. I never felt like a marketer. I never really l- had a passion for the work, to be honest with you. I was yeah. the one who was making sure that how we were selling it and how we were delivering it were aligned and that it was right. happening efficiently. We were making some money. But it really wasn't. You know, I started on a path, and I feel like I'm kind of circling back to it. Yeah. Um, I've been interested in hospice, doing a lot of hospice volunteering the last several months since I quit my marketing uh, job. And the closer I get to this end-of-life experience, the more certain I am that I there is a place for me in that very yeah. intimate end-of-life experience. As well, I'm more and more, and kind of surprisingly, interested in this idea of you know how we do healthcare and how mm-hmm. it does or doesn't serve the best interests of especially aging people and dying people and um so yeah the senior space um really if you think about tying it back to your legacy work in your app um and and where i started with my mom losing all these things now you know um her stuff is an extension of her if we Mm. can show her uh, our appreciation for her stuff and i am not exaggerating at all. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. They're my most prized possessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, not just because they're beautiful things, but because there's a story that yeah, involves that's my the mom, important part of it. A love yeah. and adore. Yeah. Um, right. And 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 I do think that if she can, it's important for me that she feels our reverence and our 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 honor toward her in. In, your in relation to this stuff. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Because it can know. just get, you know, you can imagine 12 kids, a house full of stuff. It just gets, it, it's torn up and well, people and leave even, and we don't know where things went. But I'm certain that there are really important 
prized possessions that each of us would love to show my mom in that context. Mm -hmm. Uh Right, right. And you can't each physically own each one of them. Right. That's not possible, but the story can be presented and shared. Absolutely. And even, uh, so we've been playing around with the app for a while, but that all resonates with us. Like that's totally what we're doing. I love that you can also pin those objects to different places mm-hmm. to kind of show the the history and the life of the object itself. Yes. In, yeah. So like there's there's the stories of its importance in your life or your mother's life, but there's also the the details that are important in the telling of the story of the object itself. Yes. I love that. Well, yes. maybe we're going to begin to a society to pay more attention to that because we'll have a platform yeah. to start tracing that history. Rather than having to work backwards, we can start to work forwards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a little little big a little for us. Big, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look so, at us. I'm going but, to get bought by Google. Right? <laughs> oh, gosh. God, I hope not. Um, so no, it's all good. When we were together, too, I, um, I remember we were talking. One thing that you brought up that I hadn't really heard that much about was the Death Cafe. Oh, right. You know, and you're, you were attending some of that. Yes. And then I think you were going, where were you going, to Colorado <laughs> after that? Seattle. Uh, Seattle, yeah. Yep. Do you remember when you when you mentioned Death Cafe to me that um, I had to look up what well, how yeah. cafe could be used in a way that isn't, yeah. like, I think of, like, old people sitting at a... The death cafe at the nursing yeah. home, which is probably fine. Yeah. Right. It's got to be like Steve's death cafe, though, or something. It can't just be death cafe. Yeah. Death but. cafe, like death over dinner. These are, um, I think, probably started somewhere other than the United States, but I'm not certain of that. Mm-hmm. I think death over dinner is... Uh, Seattle-based, uh, a guy there, uh-huh. um, basically has his package online. Uh, you can prepare, in, you know, to invite people to come to your house, and there's some structure and a curriculum around sure. how to get them to prepare. If it's a, uh, you know, advanced care directive, a living will, that kind of thing. So, and then and then Death Cafe yeah. is uh, at least the one over here in Northeast meets at a. Uh, art gallery. I think it's facilitated by a, a woman who's a local doula. Okay. And um, anybody can start them and facilitate them. But uh, the couple I've gone to, it's kind of amazing how many people. And you can imagine it attracts all kinds of people that come from healthcare, that come from, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, a lot of uh, spiritual guides and chaplain types. Yep. And then there's some uh-huh. um, interesting kids who are more than a little preoccupied with death and um, <laughs> but it all makes for very interesting conversation you know? but um, is there pie and coffee there's like, the absolutely refreshments I, and coffee oh, wow. and, uh, and art for sale in this case wow. well, cool. and is the art death like you know what it is <laughs> is oh. it it kind hmm. of is and i should be careful shouldn't i well that's okay careful about what yeah um well the uh, it is. Okay. The, the art yeah, is sort yeah. of, there is sort of a death-like quality to it. I'm not yeah. sure what the connection is. I think right. they're friends and he's sure. giving his space sure. to host, but sure. um, it's great stuff. It's very cool stuff. Yeah. So okay. is it just like a round table? How does it work? Yeah, they have sort of a topic. Um, one of the nights I went there, it was, I think it, that's partly what drew so many people. It was one of those miserably hot 90 degree days in the summertime oh, yeah. in an unair conditioned space. Yeah, and... Um, okay. They uh, the the topic of conversation, if I'm not mistaken, was mainly around uh, assisted 
suicide, medically assisted death, I think is sure. what it's supposed to be called these days, yep. um, which isn't really even relevant here in Minnesota. So, but it's very interesting conversation. There's all sorts of um, new ideas or emerging ideas around um, how much should we, how much agency should we have in our own dying. Sure. Um, but that kind of gets into some really tricky legal, ethical areas, not mm-hmm. areas where I feel necessarily very uh, well-versed. Um, and I don't see that as part of the process that I would engage in people mm-hmm. with is, yeah, is, sure. is making such decisions. However, when you're talking about healthcare and hospice care and palliative care, and and I just saw an article yesterday in Minnesota, uh, I can't remember the statistic, but the number of hospice referrals has has uh, increased drastically in the last few years. There is an awareness and a, a growing awareness among healthcare providers um, that um, you know that not only can it have an impact on the expenses related to healthcare. You can imagine how much gets invested end of life to keep people alive, right. but also there's the you know quality of life mm-hmm. right you is know. this because of an aging baby boomer population is that it's, sort of the i'm guessing just that demographically very, yeah, yeah yeah well baby boomers are gonna ha- are going to want to do it differently right sure they're going to be the first generation that says no i'm not going to do it necessarily the way i've seen it done with my mm-hmm. parents right they'll want to have more a sense of control maybe have more of a purposeful intentional experience at end of life um so yeah, I think that there's a lot of different things that are influencing this cultural shift. I think mm-hmm. in this death positive movement. So, so I like that I term think, actually, death positive. Yeah. like that it makes sense to me. Well, it's yes. it's kind of all in how you the words you use and how you frame it, isn't it? Sure it? I mean, is. we're, yes, it, it's an absolute certainty that we're all going to go through this process. Yes. This is you know. The, I forget, is it taxes and death are the only certain <laughs> things in life or something yeah, like that? Taxes. Yeah, uh, yeah, they yeah. threw that one in there. Um, I think that's things. what it is anyway. Yeah, I don't, I don't like I'm not that. good with old sayings. But it, it's an inevitability, like that we all understand that. But it's like the last thing people talk about. Yep, and, yep. And there's so, many, there's so many positive things that could come out of a conversation about death before death happens and it probably starts almost from birth yes. that you should you could be having those conversations because I certainly don't think about my own mm-hmm. mortality um, mm-hmm. yet very mm-hmm. much you know but uh, do I have a will and do I have mm-hmm. you know do you have a will I don't think so no you mm-hmm. should get one I would know yeah I mean I have children like I have yeah. I have insurance right to you know life insurance but I don't think we've we've sat down and done a will. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's... We put it off, we avoid it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there isn't a lot of... Again, in the last hundred years or so in this country, we've medicalized death and we've made it scary. I, I know, you know, when I was a kid growing up Catholic, um, mm-hmm. how terrifying that experience was, you know, the mm-hmm. whole visitation, wake. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much about it that wasn't explained and the explanations that were given were 
such a heavy experience too. yeah, yeah. and yeah. so like the, just start there how well, do we talk to of, our kids about it and if we're so going to talk about didn't talk to kids how, 100 you, years ago or 50 years ago yeah. anyway there yeah, was no talking to the kids sort of like your you know what is your role right now like do you meet with a family mm-hmm. like how do how do they get a hold of you and and how do you show up like and when do you show up well yeah and i suppose that varies with every situation yeah, that's a good, but like good like question what's it, what's it like? actually like yeah well that's an interesting question because i my guess is if you would ask anybody in any in you know any death doula across the country you'd get a slightly different answer right, right. in on the east coast no surprise they're a little bit ahead of the game and the west coast in terms of hospices recognizing that there's a place for a doula in the context of the services they're providing sure um but there's a little overlap and there's a little turfiness maybe it's a little noisy out there um so much is driven by you know what does medicare cover Mm -hmm. um what does insurance cover um uh, so back to then, what am I doing? I'm doing a lot of hospice volunteering, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of the way in, at least as far as I can tell, to yep. get the experience. You know, I did a drastic shift in my career. I don't have a ton of experience in end of life, in death and dying. So um, starting with the hospice volunteering, I got training with the International End of Life Doula Association. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're probably the main uh, certification organization for death doulas in the country, though not the only one. And the certification requirements are slightly different. Um, there's not a license for it that's recognized on a state or a national sure. level. There's not uh, reimbursement um, relationship with uh, insurance, insurance. companies. So it's very new, just emerging. Hmm. So all that said, I'm working closely with a mentor. Um, her name is Christy Mo Merrick, and she has an organization called Tending Life at the Threshold. She's really one of the first um, credentialed practicing death doulas in the area. She's just lovely, a uh, writer, check her out. She's doing some work with the um, uh, End in Mind. It's the End Kathy Wurzer. Uh, I don't think it's a public radio uh, initiative, though they're supporters. They're going around the state of Minnesota having conversations about death in different contexts in different communities, bringing in people from um, the Native American sort of point of view about death and dying mm-hmm. and, um, you know, other sort of cultural perspectives. So it's not uh, so it's m- more of a diverse conversation. But end, end in mind is uh, marvelous. Christy works with them. So Christy has a, a, an established private practice. Um, she was just in Florida um, companioning a, a client uh, who, who passed last week, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, so as she gets more clients, I will be working closer with her in that, you know, the idea is if you have time to work with someone who has a diagnosis and knows there's a, a you know, a, a finite chunk, a, chunk yeah, of time, yeah. amount of time, then that's sort of the impetus for a lot of people to really turn their attention to this life yeah. review and legacy. Uh-huh. And how do I specifically, you know, what is my death vigil plan? So we yeah. get that um, specific. Um, everybody has a different way of telling their story of wanting to 
um, tie up loose ends, resolve unfinished business. Right. So mm-hmm. we kind of get in there and help them with that. Really, the goal, the role of the doula is to help facilitate the kind of death that the person, dying person wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In doing that, you work closely with the family, and you're facilitating, um, you know, uh, their process, educating them about the dying process, including them in the legacy projects and the life review, and then really. When it comes right down to it, um, setting up the vigil space. Mm -hmm. Um, Think about the kind of music you want, the kind of lighting you want, the kind of scents that Uh you want. Um, Who do you want there? How do you want them to be there? Isn't it wonderful? It really is. We just had a conversation. So a a very good friend of mine passed away just like two weeks ago, Mm. a father figure to Mm. me. Um, Very unexpected. I mean, this was something that just happened. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, his wife, which is like a mother mother to me, she is definitely, you know, sort of dying right now. Nearing her end as well. Uh I mean, hopefully not for a while, but she does have, you know, some pretty strong challenges right now right. with a uh, transplant and cancer and one whatnot hospice but, in place palliative uh, care it, it is not in place and it's not and 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 this is exactly but you see how exactly, you're struggling to even to even right, explain because, it because you don't want her to think that you exactly, are waiting for her to die exactly. that's what i'm because seeing you perception of hospice, exactly right? and, and but you're and it yeah. should be in place right now and we should be talking about it right now but it is so difficult yeah because certainly you hope you know that because it you don't want to offend end. someone you know and then it's like wait a second i'm not going to die and all this stuff but like it is exactly this falls uh, right into you know a current situation that i'm familiar mm-hmm. with right now and mm-hmm. i lost both my parents have passed too and my father we knew he was dying when he was in the hospital but but i wish we would have had this open communication yeah. that last week you yeah. know yeah yeah so, well that's it's such that's a huge a question opportunity have. what it, what you is know? the time frame generally like how it, well, ideally right. if so in your situation i imagine most of the time these people have a diagnosis that death is imminent well um or do people think about it well ahead of it too it really depends i mean my experience frankly has been mainly as a hospice volunteer and as it goes mainly with very old uh very uh advanced alzheimer's women yeah um so that's sort of the the trend now given the advanced stage of their dementia, it's hard to do a lot of this conscious dying stuff that we're talking about. So it really becomes more about how do you companion someone wherever they are? Yeah, right. Um, And there's some beautiful things I've learned or am learning about, you know, how to be present with someone in a coma state, how to be the assumption that there's nobody home and they can't hear you is right. is so wrong mm-hmm. and and yes. so unfortunate i think because that end of life that very very end of life when people are actively dying and months before um and years before frankly can be um a huge opportunity to uh open up the things that have sort of been neglected in yeah. your uh, life in your relationships in your in in well, to put internal some, world some thought and yeah. some concern into these things i i've got a a friend who lives down the street i you know we haven't been close friends 
but we've been neighbors for 14 years or something now and and we know each other well enough and he's uh going through cancer and and the chemo hasn't worked it's done you know there's yep. nothing they can do yep. for him anymore mm-hmm. and they um just watching the way and i think you know part of it's their personalities part of it's the strength that they have and the their youthfulness the way that they've allowed other people into that process mm-hmm. and and given all of you know his friends and his family and the people that know that couple well a, a chance to experience it with them yeah. I think I've been in awe of it yeah it's, it's really yeah you know a little teary thinking special, about it but right it yeah. is it's yeah. a beautiful sure. opportunity that we just avoid it, at almost any cost yes oh, and in, we totally do yeah in their case they're both very open about the fact that it just sucks yes fucking at that yep. age dying is not cool no you know no yeah. but they're but they're clear about it and they've allowed other people. I think it's just a healing thing yes. to, to bring yes. other people into yes. that. Yeah. At the end of the day, I was, when you were just talking about uh, people going through this, it's peace of mind that you're providing them. Mm-hmm. And it's peace of mind that's the end goal, whether it's doing the physical things like the sorting through the possessions, telling the stories. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, when you do pass away, and I'm even thinking, you know, our age, we're not facing hopefully this. Oops. That's why. When did you turn that off? I couldn't hear a word you said oh, through there. Oh, no. Yeah, you better start that over. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it, it was very weird, but yeah, you, you had your mic off. Okay, sorry. Right. Yep. Rookie mistake. Yep. Um, talking about all of this, you're giving someone peace of mind. Mm-hmm. So when they do pass, it just makes it, you know, they're not leaving. It's already a terrifying, you know, kind of a scary experience, but right. you're leaving and you're going into a better place, whatever right. you believe that to be. And what you hear from people who've studied death and dying is that it's less about the fear of what happens after I die mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, what kind of death might I have, but um, do I have regrets? Right. Do I, are, mm-hmm. things, are things in order? Mm-hmm. Are, uh, are the people who depend on me, who I love, going to be okay without me? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to them? So it's less, and how are pe- people going to think about me after I die? Your right. Will I matter? Right. Yes, right. your yeah. legacy. Yeah. There's really like more fear when you break it down and start talking to people mm-hmm. about this around... You know, how will I be remembered then? Than the event itself, what, right? What happens after I die? You right. Know, yeah. Our assumption is that we're we're terrified because we don't know what happens. Right. And when right. you start talking about it, opening it up, and um, I'll go back to Mr. Rogers, who says, yeah. if it's mentionable, it's manageable. The minute you start opening this stuff up, mm-hmm. like everything important in life, the 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 less scary it becomes. Maybe not the less difficult or sad, but the less scary. No, I mean that's that's a very fair thing to to talk about is the fact that you know most of the things that that create anxiety for people are things that they're just not talking about right. and that's what with. creates mm-hmm. the anxiety mm-hmm. it's certainly what exacerbates it right yeah right well you guys we have uh we have managed 30 minutes so let's take a little break and we'll come back but this is super interesting so katie thank you for being yes, here it's my pleasure yeah this great is conversation great. all right we'll be back shortly Thank you for listening. I can't believe you've made it halfway through already. I'm sure you can't believe it as well. Uh, If you are not a family member of mine or Jim or Sarah's, uh, that's even more impressive that you've 
stuck with us this long. Uh, don't forget to visit our website, www.andalin.app, or uh, if you're in interested in the institutional version, you can always check out kineticlegacy.us too. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll start with the second half. And we're back, you guys. Okay. Okay. So uh, just to recap, we do have Katie Uppus, right? Yes. Boy, that's that's uh, the spelling of it's tough. I see why I had to do it phonetically <laughs> there. You, you led off with that. Well, welcome uh, back, Katie. Yeah, Thank welcome you. back. And this conversation, uh, even during our little break, like continued it's just so interesting and it it's, a, it's a really mm-hmm. poignant topic for yeah. kind of what we're doing and why society we're doing it society all people want to talk about it actually i think they, they do. do yes yeah. hopefully this is providing a little gateway and we were talking about if you can share some tips or simple ways that people can start incorporating talking mm-hmm. about death mm-hmm. into their lives right well, I think with anything, it's sort of a s- incremental, organic process, right? Where and and it starts with conversation, with real conversation with real people. There are, uh, I think we t- we're talking about the death cafe and death over dinner. There are these um, programs essentially that you can pick up and make your own, and uh, they offer resources and put some structure around the conversation to have these conversations around living wills and advanced care So would that be something you'd like, you'd seek out the, uh, did you say death over dinner? Yeah, death yeah. over dinner, I think it's .com or .org. Um, it's a really kind of cool website, and they um, have uh, invitations. They have some sort of templated things that you can send out to people um, and some resources that you can choose from. You can put a theme around your dinner. So there's a lot of different ways, and it's kind of fun yep. to approach this. Um, the Death Cafe is an or- uh, go online and look for that. Usually most big metropolitan areas in the country will have uh, a Death Cafe uh, Facebook page or website where you can find your local um, group and that is a conversation that's somewhat structured, facilitated, draws people from all different disciplines. Um, so are, are any of those types of uh, like information services, like let's say you're, a, you're living very rural mm-hmm. and you still want to go mm-hmm. through this, are there mm-hmm. like self the ways you can kind of yes. take the packet and, and exactly. perform the things in your own small yes. town or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. or yep. within your family. It, it's all the support you need to customize it in your community. Right. right, yeah. And then, of course, if you don't want to go that route and are just interested to do the research and um, um, you know set up some of these uh, tools for yourself, go to honoringchoices.org. That, I think, is... Uh, just Minnesota, um, but it's all of the sort of legal templates you need to do either a really straightforward advanced care directive or a more complex one. It helps you walk through the thinking around how to figure out who to ask to be your um, your uh, agent. Um, you know, sometimes we think that it's our closest person who should. Uh, be asked to make decisions on our behalf 
Uh, if we right, can't like ourselves, attorney yeah, or something, yeah. at the, something at the along that line, a, yeah. a healthcare agent. Um, sometimes it's best to have someone who's not your closest person totally. who can make those decisions someone a little, little bit, bit more. Yeah. yeah, it's a really that's something to not take lightly is identifying right. who that agent should be because it's a lot to ask and mm-hmm. and they even um, I was attending a seminar recently and they were talking about how you can uh, send a letter to your agent sort of letting them off the hook mm-hmm. for and giving them permission to use their discretion um, mm-hmm. I think how you set that up matters a whole lot if it's going to be thoughtful and if it's going to be uh, nuanced because you know these things no it's really really uh, yeah. interesting yeah. to even think about it yeah. because uh i just you know so many of these things just sort of happen and you don't yeah think about it and it really should be i think it would be anxiety relieving to just have some like information in yes. place you know just yes. like i hope this doesn't happen i don't expect to die anytime soon but here's if something happens, here's what's here's what my wishes are. Story yeah. I have about my family, real quick here, which is interesting because I kind of forgot about it until right now. But you know, probably 15 years before my parents died, um, as a family, we went and picked out my parents picked out their caskets. Really, mm-hmm. with, with with me, you know, mm-hmm. like we went to the funeral home and mm-hmm. you know looked at it and. They weren't going to die anytime soon, unless it was a car accident mm-hmm. or something. But I remember being there just, you know, kind of lollygagging around. Like, yeah, that looks good. That's cool. Whatever. Let's go. <laughs> we went to the actual um, grave spot. They picked out where they were yeah. going to be buried. And mm-hmm. we went there as a family. And mm-hmm. I'm standing there and I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, can we go now? Mm-hmm. You know, right. they're like, okay. How you, old are you? You know, I, that I'm like probably... 25 okay mm-hmm. you know i was gonna say that could have been that sort of dismissiveness that you have oh, yeah. in that story right could it been any time from like 10 years old to 50 <laughs> right <laughs> i know i know, I know. Like, are we... it, to- <laughs> it just sounds like but, you totally but what was interesting about it is that it it sort of took care of business in one way mm-hmm. right yeah but it also made it sort of this little excursion and this family thing and Mm -hmm. and so that was great but then you know when it came down to when my father actually did die you know we had one week left in the hospital we i remember one thing we asked him you know we kind of bumbled our way through it and this is where it's so interesting katie because if we would have had like someone there kind of helping us Mm -hmm. as a third party kind of maybe guiding a conversation it may have been richer Yes. Than what it ended up mm-hmm. to yeah. be. Yes. Yeah, and we, totally. we did ask him, like, is there anything you would like? You know, do you want to call anyone? And he, he was like, I'd like to call my friend Terry Shea. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't done that in, you know, 10 years. Mm. A, a good friend. So he called him and, hey, you know, what's up? And yeah. Dying. Uh, yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. But, you know, that was really uncomfortable for all of us as a family. We were like, yikes, you know, like it's weird. And we kind of, wanted to ignore it even though it was happening you know what i mean it's Any really day. hard to know what to do we haven't seen it modeled very exactly uh, well yeah um well i, I, I nope. don't know if i'm interrupting you but it, okay this is going to be a little bit bigger you know a little whatever but i because because our app is intended to go out and be in the hands of the everyday citizen mm-hmm. and because it's intended for you to have a place to preserve the memories of your life and to tell your your story, your legacy, yep. um, it seems to me like we should be exploring at some point 
some part of what you're doing and what you're talking about being folded into the app because it's you're already you know like even just the documentation of mm -hmm. these are the end of life wishes these are the things that I've thought about and just having that be a piece that when you because we've talked about uh, how to pass down the app or, or to pass down the information digital your digital mm -hmm. air mm -hmm. like if, if if that would be a really good place to store the information is what I'm thinking mm -hmm. you know not to not to do this work mm -hmm. but once it's done Oh, yes. by the way, there's a directive, and it sits in that person's yes. legacy app, right mm -hmm. now. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can see a doula mm -hmm. um, helping facilitate mm -hmm. the right that whole process. Yeah, using I can the see app. a doula in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really get this. I mean, I can really. I mean, what a beautiful um, addition. You know, mm. during that end. The, those moment, days or whatever that span is to have. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's like you were saying. Um, those conversations are so hard and so awkward, and we're never really certain. And I think that if if I can have any impact, it's giving people the courage to open these things up mm -hmm. um, earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, trust that you know. It's it's useful. It's making good use of the end of your life. It's a rich experience to yeah. crack things, these things open, and hopefully, you know, to to help that dying person get peace of mind, um, whatever form that takes for them. But I think the legacy work that um, your app is going to uh, allow is really important in getting people. Um, prepared to die you well, know, I think, in a better frame of mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I, I, it brings up something I've, I've thought over the years around how we make decisions. Um, and one of, the, one of the examples that comes to my mind is like if you're going to go buy a car, let's say you're buying a $25,000 kind of ordinary car, nice new car, you might go to three different dealerships, look at 10 different versions of it from different manufacturers, kick the tires, talk to the salespeople, him and haw about it and go back 10 different times, you know, and, and to make that $25,000 decision. But when you go to buy a house, mm -hmm. you walk into the house once, you maybe look at it for 30 minutes, you make the offer, you go back and look at it one more time to just make sure everything was right. And, the, and generally speaking, the realtors, the whole system's set up to not let you spend a lot of time kicking the tires of the house for mm -hmm, some reason. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if we're going to put that a ton of thought into a wedding, a decision about I'm getting married, mm. why aren't we putting a ton of thought mm -hmm. into the other mm -hmm. big event mm -hmm. over here? Because value wise, mm -hmm. they're both very important, mm -hmm. right. but the death is, it's, you know, in your, in the, scope of a life it's a pretty valuable component to yeah. whatever you know yeah yeah yet we don't necessarily kick the tires about it too much right that makes mm. sense yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i brought it back i brought it back full circle you did <laughs> well you didn't know where i was heading there no, no not really i came right that back into a, it. that was a real yeah, that, was, that was anything what was gonna happen on that one <laughs> no but i it i mean i think the idea that 
that I could start asking a few questions about my own end of life and how that might work. Like I've always thought of, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not thinking about a will because it's just so much work. Like, what am I going to get out of it? But now I'm thinking, Peace of mind. oh, wait a minute. Maybe it doesn't have to be so much work and I can just start right. the process now. Oh, and well, it's definitely not. How does it change your life? How does it change how you live your life if you've actually thought about how you're going to die? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, if you've really thought about and internalized the fact that you're going to die, mm-hmm. how yeah. does that change how you live well, your life? Well, I was just saying, did I say it on the air? That did, I, was it that in I had my. Uh, appointment on Monday. Yeah, it could have just been in my head uh, <laughs> to do my will. Yes. And uh, I have anxiety right now because I, because I haven't, now it's like on my mind. I'm, yeah. I got to get that done because of all the connections I have with, with us as a business, yep. with Amber, all of that. I mean, you know, well, it even just dickhead brother that I don't want involved in anything. <laughs> well, so. we just lost him as a listener, didn't we? <laughs> we did. <laughs> no, so. but it, it makes me think that, uh, okay, so there's your own death you have to think of and how that impacts. And you're right. I yeah. mean, we're three business partners, co-equal business partners in a business that we know is going to be here for a while, right? Right. Or we hope. Um, and the, I, I would guess that the company now has an obligation to think about its mm-hmm. life and its mm-hmm. potential death somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. We collectively being have to do our own, but the company has to, to lay out sure. a path for itself. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I, what just popped into my head is, is it's a certain selfishness to not plan ahead mm-hmm. because you are just assuming it's going to work itself out. You're putting the burden right. on your loved ones. But it's ones. inevitable. It's mm-hmm. inevitable. So right. yeah, you're leaving it to other people where, yeah, to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In a bit. In yeah. a way. No, it's not a, like the worst form of selfishness, no, no, no. but but it's you know, yeah, be- yeah. I mean, just think about all the energy that goes. We were talking earlier mm-hmm. too about when it comes to that someone dies, then all your energy goes into like the logistics. Mm-hmm. You push through. Mm-hmm. You push, push through. through. It's a practical mm-hmm. um, sort of event you're planning, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's clearly all sorts of underlying grief and emotional stuff happening, but what we we're happy to be distracted, usually. right? With right. the, with the for sure, physical stuff here, all those details. Yeah. Right? Me growing up, <clears throat> you know, Midwest Lutheran, it's like mm-hmm. heads down, mm-hmm. kind of quiet, Summer. get yeah. through the day of the mm-hmm. funeral. Mm-hmm. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. And then the next day, it's like, all right, well, that was done. <laughs> Got to get back <laughs> to work. Let's get yeah, exactly. So yep. Business as usual. Yeah. yeah. And, it leaves you sort of with this, you know, sort of weird. You don't weird, get the just, memory of the essence yeah, of that person. Yeah, it's just like this ending, you know. Mm-hmm. I have three or four people in my life that uh, are no longer with us, you know, no longer with me that I, like, we, it's even hard to find the words to talk about the people who aren't here anymore mm-hmm. with with people who are emotionally, because it, you know, it, it hasn't ever really been addressed. So it's, it's, I've found like my cousin who died, I, I've found that I can say to my, his, his wife, who's my cousin. So who's married into the family anyway. Uh, you know, I miss Danny. Like, mm-hmm. and even that the first time I've ever said something like that, it was difficult to say it, but now it's not so difficult yeah. anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. It can get really lonely and isolating for people, I think. Um, because people avoid it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you're dying or you've lost a loved one and people feel a lot 
of compassion and want to help, but stifle it because they're not sure. And that's just uh-huh. a shame to me. That's just yeah. a real shame. Yeah, not sure even how to enter into it, into mm-hmm. the conversation. Or mm-hmm. the accolades come from, you know, immediately following the death, the support is there, and then as time goes on, when the person really needs that mm-hmm. support, it's kind of evaporated. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think after someone passes, too, I mean, you know, to, and I don't know, but like for me, losing one of my best friends, the best thing is, is when I get together with my other friends, we talk about that person. Reminiscing. Yeah, we really do. We, we, we make that actually something that, that sort of happens. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. tell a story. You yeah, know, that's... which is a good way to keep that person. You know, I mean the memory. Alive. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, not to not to drag us off topic because this is all super interesting. But what else do you do? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to just ask you about your siblings. I mean, yeah. you have a huge family. Huge family. Yeah. Um, just lost my brother. I was saying yeah. uh, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a family of twelve, he was the first. The first we lost, my mom's first wow, child. Wow, that's rare, yeah. actually. Really, really pretty amazing. Um, and we're pretty close family, you know, not not maybe all of us are super tight, but we're pretty close. And um, my dad died a couple years ago, and my brother David just a month ago. And these deaths, um, the dying process, yep. was a huge opportunity for us to, you know, it tends to bring out the worst and the best in people. Mm-hmm. But, sure. Um, I have a sister who's in, I have just loads of lovely sisters and um, particularly the way that we were present for my brother David as he was dying. It was just beautiful. And not everybody was comfortable with it, but I'll tell you what, those of us who were present with him Mm -hmm. and who were really in this, you know, death vigil kind of frame of mind together, Mm -hmm. we had a much sort of easier and I would say healthier Mm -hmm. separation than those who stayed away because Mm -hmm. it was too painful and they didn't Mm -hmm. want to see him that way. We hear that a lot. Um, I just think the closer you can get, frankly, the less scary it is, the more rich and deep and beautiful it is. Um, And I think that the earlier we can start having these conversations, so it's not just a, you know, active dying kind of scramble. Um, But yeah, so I've, I've had, you know, the, this experience in my family that coincides with this experience, this job shift, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been very interesting. Uh, not, not that I think one can be present with a family member the way they can with someone else. Right. I think that you're if you're really being more emotionally doula, invested, yeah, and, yeah. That, that you're not doing it with your closest people. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that having a point of view about and having some experience getting close to it, not being afraid of it. Um, touch is so important for people at the end of life. Um, Mostly, I think we're scared to touch Touch. people who are dying. Um, So all these things that once you have the experience of trying it and doing it and seeing how actually wonderful it is, it becomes easier to do it and then you're modeling it for other people Mm -hmm. and then pretty Mm -hmm. soon, you know... um, it feels really natural. Yep. It's like you see nurses. They sort of enter that space, very intimate it's my, space. My family, people. everyone. Family, right? Everyone in my family, yep. And um, there isn't that sort of fundamental instinct to shrink, to um, avoid. Uh, and 
it's kind of contagious. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. And and I, I see it taking shape. I think it's different for younger people. I think there's a millennial mindset around death and dying and be, having conscious conversations. I think um, there is a different when we talk about legacy. There's yep. a in your app the things that people have. Um, I remember reading an article, maybe it was a year or two ago, some, a headline, maybe it was New York Times, um, your kids don't want your stuff. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We, we all read that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your kids don't want yeah. your stuff. Spare us, which just seems so mm-hmm. kind of awful in my mind. Exactly. Why would you tell your old parents, I don't right. want the stuff? Why wouldn't you instead just say, say thank you, this is precious, and then like leave it Figure in the garage or whatever? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm well, with you. Well, you know that's my, I'm you know, you. Yeah. my parents are gone, so, you know, the garage is full of stuff. And that was part of the early conversations yes, with the this. app was yeah. decluttering, too. Mm-hmm. Decluttering. How do you decluttering? Uh-huh. Yes. Reduce, reuse, recycle. These right. things will have a yeah. lot. Capture There's the some story. practical yep. value to them, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah, and and I think the app, it, a lot of its intention is to point out what stuff is stuff that yes. they actually do want and what yes. stuff is just junk. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so a person can kind of go through... That, that's something we've always talked about. You can kind of yeah. go through and indicate as you're preparing for your next move, whether it's out of this house or mm-hmm. to somewhere else or you're dying. Um, you can prepare to by by indicating these things have real heavy sentimental value for me or they have real heavy monetary value. And the rest of these things, if you don't want them, you don't have to be burdened with them. Yeah. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But these are the ones I loved. Yes. You know, maybe and you want to keep them because right. my my heart is in them. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. So I have a question. Uh, you know, uh, during your brother's, were you present then during his? Yes. Like last breath, sort mm-hmm. of speak, and were your yes. sisters there with you? Then yeah. Too? Remarkably, um, not remarkably, we were there a lot with him. We were kind of doing a vigil. Um, it was clear that he was actively dying, and um, well, it. It was sort of clear. Um, right. The hospice nurse said, well, maybe a day. And then she said, but his vitals are so good. So mm-hmm. it was confusing. And my initial response is, well, what is it? That's a mixed message. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> As if she right. has this sort of, so, well, she was right on. It was yeah. within a day. And, yeah. and we were there with him around the clock. And as he was taking his last breaths, if you've seen people dying, you can while there are many stages that are hard to discern, yeah. that very end right. is pretty obvious. It is. You know what's yeah. what's what's happening. And um, we were all gathered around, and my sister Peggy, who is a music teacher, brought her song, her Christmas song books. It was, it was December 8th that he died, and we were singing Silent Night to him mm. as, yeah. as he breathed his last breaths. And it was really, really special, really beautiful. There was lots of love. Um, and it it could have been a very lonely mm-hmm. death for him, mm-hmm. and I, I hope that that it was you know we made it a little bit better. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure oh, you did. Yeah, I mean, I definitely. think everyone would hope. Yeah. for I was there for uh, both my mother and my father's oh. last breath. You mm-hmm. know, I was able to do that, mm-hmm. which I thought was it isn't it, it just beautiful, amazing, yes, amazing. But I also know the phrase like, oh, we don't want to see him like that or see her, sure. you know, which were other family members of mine, which I thought. At that moment, I was like, "God, that's so weird," you yeah, know. It makes like, me so sad. why wouldn't mm-hmm. why wouldn't you? Everybody's got a different. You, it, they do, you know, and, and that's okay. That's it, all right. But knowing but, how 
but very different than me. But I, I sort think of cathartic like you, it is to be close to it, knowing that you wish yeah. that for people who are right. inclined to stay away. Just, but some you know, people like in, to climb mountains, as, and yeah. I, I don't. You're you right. know, it Scares the crap out of me. You're right. right. But I think if it's not that you're going to be able to make everybody take in that moment in the same way, but if you open up a a conversation Small about conversation. it, and you give them, mm-hmm. and you give them some some more of the facts around it instead of the mystery, yes. then you, you know, you might very well bring a lot more people yes. into that situation. I it sounds like what you're trying agree. to do. I, I yeah. think that would, and that's what I, I guess, you know, if we would have had a third party like on that, you know what I mean? Like, mm. I, I think that could have No, I think enriched. it's important. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, so. I mean, I think that, that um, the way we think about death is changing and evolving, and I think that um, part of what's going to be helpful in that evolution is people doing the work like I'm doing, uh, helping people at the very end of their life. But it's coming from so many different directions. Mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. yeah, this different way of thinking about death. Um, well, I think we need it. Yes, it's a need yes. for us. And my dad talks about that a lot because yes. he's he's been in that world for so long, and he cares about this stuff. And he's always the, you know, he's like when his mother died, he's the one who's going to be there mm-hmm. and he's going to be holding them and, and encouraging mm-hmm. everyone else to come in. Like that's right. his role in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does that in his, he's done that throughout his career too. Yes. And it's, uh, it, it's enlightening to watch people who can do that. Yeah. It, it opens something up. I yeah. like, I don't know if it's necessarily for me, but I certainly, I get right. it, you know? Well, then you have a frame of reference now. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with that territory and so you'll step into it when you need to. Yeah, and I'm not, a f- I, I've, in the few instances where I've been around dying people, I'm not afraid of them, and mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to touch them, and I'm not, you know, the, the room isn't scary. Mm-hmm. I just haven't had, a, I haven't had an instance right. where I'm going to be in the room. Yeah. You know, fortunately, no one's been dying around me lately. I definitely didn't want to miss it, you know? I'm with yeah. you. I mean, yeah. I was sort of like, I'm not missing this, you know? Yeah. So it was kind of interesting. It... it also, this is just another side thing, but um, I often, you know, being an artist, I look at like the Baroque period mm-hmm. um, of paintings and some of the, I love the paintings of, you know, the, the gathering next to the deathbed mm-hmm. and some of the, yeah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I mean, that goes way back. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I love the light, you know, in the paintings mm-hmm. and that's sort of like the Rembrandt style, you know, yeah. on, well, too different, but um you know, I think of those days, yes. you know, of when people were dying, right. you know, in the gathering of the bedside. Yeah. Sort of. And then and then maybe something happened from that period to you know what I mean? Well we're getting back to it, not yeah, exactly. you know, the, the community, the whole, yeah. right? And the green right. funerals and the mm-hmm. home funerals, the mm-hmm. home deaths. Right. You know, you can legally keep a body um in your home. That's right. A dead yes. body in your home mm. for I think three full days. Mm-hmm. Okay. You need some ice. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, need, you need to chill them. If you if you wanted to spend that kind of time with your loved mm-hmm. one, which I think is kind of beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. no, instead of calling the funeral home the minute you know they like, they call the death and and. Uh, just removing the body, you know, it's like well, people used to lay in time. in the parlor or yes. whatever. That was a thing that happened all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be displayed in the parlor. Right, that's happening too. There's some really cool stuff around um, um, home funerals and green, fun- green uh-huh. burials and that kind right. of thing. 
um, it's all part of this conversation, this whole new death positive yeah. uh, right. movement that we're seeing, I think. I don't know very much about the home funerals, so that's interesting. Yeah, you so know, rather than a, like right. a traditional thought funeral about that, yeah. home. And there, right. Yeah. Yeah, apparently among millennials, um, funeral director is a very popular career path really? these days. Yeah, which I find very wow. interesting. And all. I love how they get, you know, they get bagged on so hard. Everyone, ah, <laughs> oh, the millennials are ruining everything. And, and it's they're because they're back, really cool and they're really they're nice. They're bringing like, back to traditional, you know, yeah. that used to be done back in the day or the crafts. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we talk a lot about that. But. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't find, I haven't found too many millennials all that off-putting no they get a bad rap <laughs> they do I, it has more to do with the people judging them with that's them. i, I think that's know. absolutely true yeah no good good crew out there but, yeah well so uh so this takes up a lot of your life i can tell mm-hmm. is there and did you grow up in minnesota i did okay I did. so you were out in california for a while but then you came yep. back to minnesota I went to alaska right out of college but yeah i grew up on a farm in a little town in the middle of minnesota sock center okay yeah um yeah. i'm from elk river which oh, okay, is not yeah, sure. nearly that far north but it, we lived in bemidji yeah as a kid yeah a you understand you know yeah. um uh, my mom is still there many of my siblings are still in that small town so i get yeah. up there frequently and I'm always glad to, you know, come back to the city. To be honest with you, <laughs> I love those people, uh, but I need I need some city life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do I do? I'm talking to another organization that I want to connect you guys with. Um, life Spark, they're called. Okay. Um, they are whole person senior care, and they um, do really cool work some of it private pay some of it insurance reimbursable everything from dog walking to um to skilled nursing in the home sure Um, so the whole array and the idea is that you know the last half of your life shouldn't just be this steady decline into obscurity yeah that that there's this is an important Yeah. yeah isn't that yeah amazing to think about um but they uh have some interest in and uh, see the value of death doula work as well. Sure. Um, and they have a pretty, uh, I think they have a national presence, but most of their local, um, if I'm not mistaken, is, most of their local clientele is private pay. So these are folks presumably who, you know, might uh, want to have an experience, an end of life experience and can afford to pay for it. Right. Um, that doesn't necessarily address the needs of other people. But I think that, um, this death doula work is just getting defined and where it's going to fit. There are people who think it should stay out of healthcare entirely. They don't want it to be part of the healthcare system, mm-hmm. much like uh, the midwife uh, sure. movement uh, in for uh, and birth doulas came around because once the midwife um, services were incorporated into healthcare, because sure. the idea is that if we want this to be pure and 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 really about the whole person and not just medical reimbursement, then we need mm-hmm. to keep it separate. I don't have necessarily a strong opinion one way or the other. I do think what's clear is there's going to be a different approach to we have to end of life care. Of yeah, that mm-hmm. stuff. all of it. It's, yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, what will drive it probably is, um, you know. Uh, Money. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> the same we, thing we that drives everything. You the mean? way we're keeping people alive. Mm-hmm. No, no, we can't. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we, you know, that could be a whole nother topic, but like, I don't know that we're getting 
very much for the money we're spending no. either. Like that's right. it's the a quality no. is not there. Well, think about it. And in the process of all those healthcare crises at the end of life, and there's all kinds of data that you know uh, reflects yeah. how much money is invested in these last sort of ditch efforts to Ugh. extend life. Um, in that whole experience of medical crisis for caregivers and for the sick and dying people, um, they're not paying attention to this sort of emotional and spiritual mm-hmm. experience of end of life. Right. They're getting a diagnosis today. They're treating symptoms that are present today. And they talk a lot about symptoms and symptom management. Well, I don't know how I'll feel or if I'll even get very old, but I hope that my doctor or that my living situation allows me to be exploring you know this end of life not just on a medical yeah. level right. that, that there's really something that 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 system can help me prepare to die yeah. yes um so yeah and not not at you know 96 years old take every life-saving measure right you know right. I, I mean it's just and just and just the money everyone the in, so my you know my brother's a doctor in moose lake mm-hmm. um and my dad's done all this stuff like i we have these conversations yes about yeah kind of end of life and and how much money gets put into that and and how it's not necessarily beneficial for the for the human lion on the, right. the gurney or all of the people that care yeah. but they do it anyway yeah, it all happens. Yeah. Right, and um, we could speculate about why they do it anyway. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. That, but, that does um, open up a whole another yeah. conversation. I, I mean, yeah. I do think though that the the the, the shift has got to be cultural, mm-hmm. and it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not born of bad intentions no. from the caregivers' perspective. No. Or well, we're it's, trained to think that um, if we are considering palliative care rather than um, you know a, a major medical intervention that we're somehow not on the side of life I mean right. there, there is right. that that's a nice you know families are really yeah. struggling I just talked to my friend today her mother is uh, you know um, probably in the end stages of her life in Arizona and um, they haven't had a direct conversation with her about the fact that hospice was um, sort of ordered and uh, services are in place at her assisted living facility what does that mean they're nervous to even say the word hospice yeah right right you know and and you find patients who who say just don't tell my family don't mention the word hospice the dying person or the family saying just don't say the word hospice right because you want to it's going to happen. You you want to this idea it. that yeah. this person is not dying? Yeah. Like, that is so unfair. I want to have an honest conversation mm-hmm. at the end of my life. Yeah. I want someone to be helping me with that conversation, and I hope I'm surrounded by people who can, who can get real with me about it. But it's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. I've just but, been through it twice, and you'd think, um, given my <laughs> professional yeah, experience of late, that I would... I would know exactly how to navigate that, but when it's family, it's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Each one of these conversations is difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, moving mom out of the house, right? Um, asking mom to consider getting help in the shower. Right. Each one of these is a massive um, change at the end of someone's life that requires um, 
attention and nobody is really equipped to do it without help there's help yeah. these people in these assisted living facilities these hospice social mm-hmm. workers and nurses and cnas they know the language and they mm-hmm. want to help mm-hmm. yep um I, I i just wish people felt more empowered or courageous to ask the questions to ask for help i think that's a a lovely sentiment and i think that that's a, a, a good place for us to finish because it's you're leaving people with this notion that they should just ask for help and yeah. mm-hmm. yes. get out there and do something. Have so. conversations about this stuff. Yep. It's not um, as scary then. I think, you know, in, that sort of wraps it all up in yeah. a way. It, it is something that should be talked about. And, mm-hmm. and there's Katie, thank you so yes, much you for, for coming because yeah. this is really a great conversation. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. It's and these kinds of conversations. Thank you for doing this work yes. too. Yes, yes. Yeah. I hope to uh, follow your um, evolution here at Andalin. Yeah. And um, connect again soon. Yes. Great. Good. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care.